So now on the You Ain't Enough Yet podcast, we have an individual that from a very young age has been creating sound, playing gigs, and has been recognized as not just one to watch, but the one to watch. He has been awarded the Jazz Life Alliance's Exceptional Young Music Award. He's got to the semi-finals of the Voice Kids UK. He's been the youngest ever participant of the OES Centre's Scratch My Progress. He's won the Cool FM Farside Young Singer-Songwriter of the Year. And Will I Am of Black Eyed Peas fame has said to have the aura of having played a thousand Glastonbury's, that's just awesome. He apparently wrote his first song, Age Nine. And my co-host, Sean MQs, tells me that on asking my mother what was Jack's greatest achievement at age nine, she responded, I don't know, he was still picking his nose. In front of us, via the great technology that is Zoom, hailing from Balnehinch County Down, with the brilliant Connor Marcus, dude. How are you? What's up, what's up? I'm very good. That intro was the biggest confidence boost I could have had. <laughs> so, that, that was unbelievable. That was amazing. We do actually a record in terms of youngest, youngest, or one of the younger guests we've had on, but in terms of maybe the most achievements. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, what we do is we're just going to get stuck straight in. Where did it all start? On my mom's side of the family, they're like not musical whatsoever. My mother could not hold the tune if she tried. <laughs> but um, my dad was in a band. And my uncle was in a band as well. They're not in those bands anymore, but um, just hearing the stories at like such a young age of the places they got to go, the places they got to play, and like they were like in detail describing like what it felt like to just be on a stage. And obviously, I hadn't experienced that yet, and I was like, ah, <laughs> so I I picked up a guitar, I learned how to play the guitar, um, learned how to play the piano, and um, I got writing. You sort of you knew from then, obviously that you know you were you were you were good. Did people tell you, you were good? Did you know you were good? People told me I I was good, but people I think I, when back when I was I'd say until the age of fourteen, people told me I was good out of pity <laughs> because because in reality I was awful. Like I was bad. It's it's great to see. Like if if I think about it now, if I'm seventeen now. Mm. I was. It was eight years ago, you know, and it's it's great to actually look back and like see the process, because I I I listened to the song I wrote whenever I was nine years old, and I cringed so hard. <laughs> Even now, I wish I could write a song now, let alone when I was nine. But anyway, <laughs> in terms of your own songwriting influences, then, so obviously growing up, you said your dad and your uncle were sort of musically inclined. Would there be people you looked up to musically growing up? Or even is there like specific artists you listen to growing up and you're like, oh, I really like that sound. That's the kind of music I want to make. I think obviously like hearing the stories of the industry and stuff, but in terms of like actual music wise, I think a, a great example for me of someone I really, really look up to, um, Charlie Puth. Mm. Charlie Puth to me is like, obviously he makes great music and all, but the music knowledge that he has behind that and his production skills and everything like that it's completely slept on like i think he's sick you got started very early you were 13 you entered the voice kids uk version you performed an original song how was the whole experience in the show also were you nervous at such a young age but in terms of performing an original song obviously a lot of people go on these sort of shows and you know just do covers and stuff like did that add to it more nerves or did that make it feel more special for you how was that one of the one of the main parts of you know playing the original song um obviously actually playing it in itself it, it was like really nerve-wracking i still remember like it's like you you walk up the steps and then out onto the stage and walking up the steps like like your hand is shaking the rail side to side you know 
and then and then you're out and it's fine you're away you know there's no real going back so you kind of have to you know but um, yeah um i think one of the one of the one of the parts of like playing your own song it's it's risky like because you don't get to tell the the coaches the, the judges that like you wrote the song so they've never heard it before in their life right you know so it, 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 i think that was the one worrying factor mm. thankfully um thankfully it went very well and i managed to get to the semi-finals which even like now i think that's mental especially as you say given that you were so young and you were going in there as a songwriter uh, how how just admit maybe a more specific question to the voice because obviously the voice compared to the other like you know music competition shows they have the whole like the blind audition and stuff was that as a performer was that more or less nervous when you're actually going to sing knowing that you couldn't see them and yeah, 100% because when I, I feel like when you're playing to people in a crowd, you can often tell when when you're looking at them whether they're like, uh, like if they're if they, they're like, this kid's really good, you'll often see like squint on the face of, you know, uh, where they, they, they really good or if they think you're shite, like you can tell instantly. <laughs> so see what they're thinking is, is really bad. And it was really, really bad because I got my turn at the like at, after i finished singing like the very last yes, was, yeah 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 i thought it was over and i look up and he's just there it was mental thank god <laughs> happy days man happy days and then from then on <clears throat> things sort of just went you know sort of skyrocketed and sort of catapulted forward but I just want to ask as well, and I, we ask this to a lot of people, especially musicians when they come on. Obviously, you can see how many streams you get and you can see how many likes you have on social media. But bringing it back to like its rawest form, how do you feel when you hear your song or your music played on the radio? I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's the fact that something that comes from the room I'm sitting in right now in my mm. own home can end up on a radio station being played to ton of people who can listen and enjoy it i i just think like just like obviously it's so normalized now but when you actually think about it that's just utterly mental you yeah know? it's crazy like songs, yeah, yeah. songs i'm writing are just being played for people like just randomly they'll just sit in their car and it's just coming through the speakers it's crazy Fair play, man. And then, so look, you've been busking for a while as well, and that's, I suppose, how a lot of artists sort of, you know, get the groove, you know, get their own groove and how to sing and what works and what doesn't work. You know, sometimes there's no audience engagement. Sometimes it's cold and it's pissing rain. You enjoy busking. Do you still enjoy it? 100%. I, I, I've always loved busking. Busking was sort of how I started. Obviously, uh, again, me start like really really young mm. finding sort of funding opportunities and things like that or even still are really difficult mm -hmm. so being able to go out and play on the streets of belfast and now dublin i play as well mm. um it's it's great and it's great to you know obviously like i i used to do this with open mics but i do this a lot more with busking testing out, like original material mm -hmm. and seeing the feedback mm. It's 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 great. I, I I think just obviously I bust in both Belfast and Dublin, but I think with Dublin on Grafton Street, like just the busking, like it's it's so appreciated mm. in Dublin. And just like when when you're when you're busking on Grafton, I have a a friend I bust with called Bro. Me and him bust together on Grafton Street, and when you get that swing in 
in, in, in the center of Grafton Street. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Especially when, I suppose it's similar to what you're saying about the radio, in that it's like, not that these people haven't sought you out, but you've nearly like grabbed their attention in such a way that it, you know, you've connect, yeah, connected with them nearly. Yeah, just that they're like taking the time out of their day to acknowledge, even even just acknowledgement, just sort of yeah. contact and sort of even like a head bop on the way past, like it, it like we notice that stuff and it it, it doesn't go. Uh, go by unnoticed you know it's, it, it means a lot no totally totally um on that idea of like connection um chat a bit about maybe your approach to uh writing so you write a lot of your music in general you write music that's relatable and you know sort of different feelings and stuff do you do you write from your own perspective do you write for your fans i think I read somewhere about a song you sort of wrote about, I think it's No More Broken Hearts, that was nearly from your perspective of your mom at a certain time in her life. So what way do you sort of approach writing in that sense? Yeah, um, uh, I'll, I'll just use No More Broken Hearts as an example. Um, and up until about sort of middle of last year, um, I was solely writing from other people's perspective. I just hadn't foregone enough life experiences to be able to know certain feelings, you know, know what it was like to, I I was lucky enough that it wasn't really until nearly a year and a half ago that I actually had lost someone in my family. Like, I I, I went a long time not knowing what that actually felt like. So I always spent a lot of my time writing from the stories that other people tell me. Mm. Then I know as well that's going to be relatable and people are going to know what that's like. Um, just and like. I, it helps to like keep it open and like have it relate to so many people whenever I'm writing from somebody else's ideas and things that have happened to them, you know. But obviously now I've gone through those experiences, so I, I sort of chop and change between both, writing about things that have happened to me. Those songs can tend to get quite deep, and, um, you know, and I also tend to write about other people's experiences as well, but it's, it's, it's now I'm writing quite so many songs. Have you encountered a situation as of yet where you've sort of came back around on a similar theme or topic, having done that exercise? You know, you've written about something from somebody else's perspective, and then in a new song, sort of approached it again and felt approached it differently as a result of having maybe experienced something similar yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think um, it mainly happens whenever I'm writing from my own perspective because when I write something about someone else's story, I don't know all the details I, I i just sort of know how they're feeling so it's more that i'm writing about the emotion that they're going through than it is me writing about what actually happened to them you know but whenever mm-hmm. it's something i'm experiencing i know what happened and i know exactly how i felt and i know how i'm feeling in that moment so if something happens to me i'll write a song about it and then i'll write a load more songs about that until i find something else to write a song about it, okay. i i find it actually really right. helps it's like a form of therapy just get like getting all your thoughts out on paper it's it's really good no totally and i think it's nearly more so maybe with that idea of having done it before and then nearly approaching it again with a bit more fill in the blanks nearly yourself having gone through it yourself yeah 100 uh, percent one more on the idea of writing before maybe a chat about some of your um, specific song. Cool. You obviously took part in uh, Scratch My Progress with the OES Centre and 
or one of the youngest participants in that program. As a songwriter, how did that help you develop? Or was you know was it working with guys? Oh yeah, was it working with the other participants? And for anyone who isn't listening, do you want to tell them maybe what Scratch My Progress is? Yeah, um, for for the people listening, uh, I mean, if there's anything I can recommend to any anybody that's trying to become an artist in Northern Ireland or is working to be an artist in Northern Ireland, Scratch My Progress changed my life. I mean, like. It, it just changed the view I saw of the whole music industry and you, you sort of you, the people you meet through that the actual things you learn that you never would have learned anywhere else and it like I mean the OES Centre have always been amazing for me they've, they've done bits for me like I did my first headline show in the OES Centre I've I've done I've recorded songs in the OES Centre I mean they've been incredible so yeah Pick up the oh yeah, but um, <laughs> I think what was what was great about Scratch, and I I know I keep coming back to this, but it was the fact I was so young and I I got to learn this stuff at such a young age, and like if if I was to go and do it now, I I think that would have definitely have been been holding me back, like I I wouldn't be anywhere close to doing the things I'm doing now if I hadn't learned the stuff I learned at Scratch. So if anybody's listening and if anybody's thinking about it, the Oh Yeah Center, Scratch My Progress, I mean, it's 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 incredible. It's a godsend, like. Mm-hmm. And was was that, sorry, was that your, because obviously at the end of Scratch My Progress, you like, the Oh Yeah guys work for you to sort of like release like a proper fully produced single and all. Was that your debut single? Is that correct? That was that was the first single I released. I'd re- I released yeah. an e- EP beforehand. I just released that myself, um, and then um, through Scratch, I got to record a song uh, called "Looking Down on Me," and um, I I got to record that in Start Together, which is the studio in the mm. Oh Yeah. And then through Scratch, I got to release that on Spotify, and you know, I got to sort of it was the first sig- single that I had put out where I knew all the things that Scratch taught me. So being able to sort of promote yeah. it became a lot easier and the things I was able to learn and I was actually able to go ahead and apply them like firsthand and see what like what actually helped and what doesn't help and things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, funny you mentioned that EP because uh, your debut EP, uh, maybe sometime soon, was incredibly well received, despite, as you were saying, having that extra experience after the fact of Scratch. And the standard track on it was that girl I met. How did that yeah. song and more largely the EP come together, you know, obviously both from a songwriting perspective and sort of that, as you alluded to, DIY production album? Yeah, so um, that girl I met, uh, I wrote that song when I was um, 12 years old, 11 or 12, I can't it's remember mad. which. And I, I, I know it's mad. But I, I know, like... <laughs> see, see, to be honest, I look back and I think it's shite. <laughs> like, I, I, like... <laughs> Come, come, like for for a twelve year old, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty fucking I, I good, yeah. Not not to like blow my own trumpet, but I think it's good for a twelve year old. But like in in terms of like general songs, I think it's so like, com- like I think it's whack. Like, but um, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I even at that, like, I I wouldn't be doing the things I was doing without that song. I mean, mm. that was the song I played on the Voice that was one of the songs that helped me get on scratch so without that i i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing so like i'm grateful it happened but i can't listen to it oh <laughs> but yeah um that ep um 
it was just recorded here. Um, me and my dad, um, we we had just started investing in this wee home studio, and it was it was tiny at the time. It's a lot bigger now. Like this is it in here. We've even got enough space for a hammock in the Yeah, corner, I was gonna say. <laughs> I'm saying that. Oh, it's, it's so cool. it's so comfy, man. But um, no, uh, it was really small at the time, and it was literally a pair of Genelex and a Mac that had GarageBand on and a MIDI keyboard and a, a, a Focusrite, and that was literally all we used to record that whole EP. And we we just decided, you know, like, I might as well put something out there, otherwise what's, what's the point of making it what? if no one's ever going to hear it? Exactly. Very much yeah. DIY. Yeah. Yeah, very. That was very <laughs> DIY. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, as well, like seeing the difference between, I know I've said this already, but um, seeing the difference between what I was doing then and what I'm doing now, it's it's crazy. Well, I want to, go on ahead, sorry. No, 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 go on ahead, go on ahead. We're, we're here to hear, we're here to hear from you. I'm just a talking head, but. <laughs> it's just that, um, I know as well, like obviously I think what I was doing eight years ago was awful and what I was doing four years ago was whack, but in four years time, probably what I, I'm going to look back at what I'm doing now and think it's awful. But that I think that's just because, like, your own worst critic, you know? Of course. Yeah. Of course. But, yeah. I want to talk about another tune, X's Nose, because it's quite a different sound from the stuff you had yeah. previously done. Did, it's like, out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, was, was Very just, out there. Did, like, what was the, what was the, the, the change? Do you know what I mean? Uh, so, um, Actually, see now I think of this. Um, I wrote this song, uh, X's Nose. Um, I wrote it at 4 a.m. Uh, and I remember I woke my mum up and mum wasn't very happy, but she came down and I made her a cup of tea and I played her the song like in like a whisper voice so that I wouldn't um, <laughs> I wouldn't wake anyone else up. And, and she's like, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, nothing. And she goes, do you need to lift the studio? And I was like, can I go to the studio at this tomorrow? So I went the next day. And at the time, I, I know, like, this is going to sound crazy, but at the time, the reference track was Eye of Tiger. Uh, 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 <laughs> okay, okay, it, okay. Some, I know. For somebody that has no musical talent, and I can think I can speak for Sean, this one as well. How? Elaborate. Please explain. Um, at the at the time, it was actually quite rocky. Right. Um, I, I don't mean rocky as in the movie. I mean, like, rocky as in... <laughs> I, uh, uh, pun not intended there but um, <laughs> I yeah at the time it sounded quite rocky and I remember taking it to the studio I laid down the guitar and I laid down the vocals and uh, Black Studios Jess and Matty they are just magic they are super super talented incredible <laughs> and I remember going back into the studio two days later and they're like Connor this song is unbelievable and I was like can I can I hear it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they play me this really funky track, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like this. So it, it's crazy that like just someone else's opinion can completely turn a song on its head. Mm. That's what I love about that song. It, it started off as something completely different, but it ended up as something so much better and so out there, but like still really modern and something people are gonna enjoy, you know. Without a doubt. Now, yeah. before Sean goes on to ask you about your latest single, which personally is my favorite tune you've put out to date, I want to ask you, <laughs> I, I first met you, Connor, when we were both actually gigging at uh, Wild Roots down in Sligo this year. Yeah. 
Um, do you, you enjoy playing festivals? Was that your first? Was is that one of many to come? What was the situation? It was the first festival I had done in a very long time due to uh, that that shall not be named. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it, it was great to get back out and play festivals. And then afterwards, obviously, I got to go around the festival and actually going to the festival as well was just great to see some Irish music and some Irish mm. talent and some talent from all over the world. It was great. Yeah, um, I think actually playing the festival, it was crazy because festival crowds are completely different from normal gigs. Yeah. I personally think um, I, I got a really, really good slot. I got like at 12 in the night or something. So the crowd was incredible you had a massive crowd i was there it was very very good man it was so good it was unbelievable well on that theme of sort of getting back to things after the thing that must not be named your new single better day you know it's very it's, it's poppy it's catchy and it sort of fits that vibe of there's better day around the corner what was the influence behind that track did it sort of come out of that thing yeah or was it is it an older song or yeah so i wrote that song um mid lockdown with a guy called curtis walsh he's incredible so if you haven't heard of him go check him out he's very very good um we hopped on a zoom session and zoom sessions are like when you're trying to write on zoom compared to when you're trying to write in a room with someone i don't know really the reason why but it's just so much worse yeah, it's it's a, it's so much harder. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it's helpful with like you get to write with people from different countries and things like that. But it, there's something about it. It's it's just not the same. And we we like we started talking about that, and we were talking about how like obviously that I don't know how, but that led into the conversation of like uh, COVID and people being affected by COVID and how mm. uh, obviously everyone i remember at the time everyone was like i'll give it like three months and it'll all go away and we'll all be back to normal and we can go to all these things and then like a year and a half later they're still stuck at home you know so um the whole i've been lost but i'm looking for a better day is sort of to anyone who was struggling at the time and that things are going to get better you know definitely yeah, yeah. And, and such a such a catchy catchy track yeah, so Connor, you've mentioned throughout our chat here that you have been stupidly talented since before you could walk, probably. Uh, so you've been in show business from a very young age. Uh, so obviously, you've had to juggle your school and growing up in general. Do you think has the your your time in show business from such a young age, have you found it difficult or has it come naturally or how has that been? Um, I think, obviously, people take it in different ways when you're at such a young age doing something that's not the norm can be sort of frowned upon, you know. I, I, I don't personally know why, but that's just the way it is. But um, <laughs> I I think, um, you know, going to school and things like that, um, I didn't particularly like school. I don't think many people particularly like school. I, I don't know. I could just be speaking for everyone, but I didn't particularly like school. Um, thankfully, I'm out of school now. I'm in college now, uh, so I'm able to just study music and focus on that i know what that's what i want to do you know it's great mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um yeah i think what was great about one of the schools i went to was um i went i i moved schools so i went from sort of a school that was 
I, it, when I when I went to the music classes, it was all sort of classical music and things like that, things that I didn't really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a new school, and um, the music department there, it, it was great. It was like accepting of being able to do whatever you wanted, so you could focus on whatever sort of music you wanted to do, writing your own songs, compositions, things like that. It was mm-hmm. great, and just sort of like an accepting community because everyone sort of knew everyone wanted to do different things. It was great. Fair play. Well, we're glad that your experience was was good. Do you know what I mean? Or you eventually got to that point where, you know, you were allowed to sort of think freely and then that was, you know, you were allowed in an open space to do that. Sean, before we go into our quick fire round, do you have any more questions for Connor? No, no, I think I've talked up enough, enough, of, enough of his time to say that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> right, Connor, we're going to ask you a series of quick fire questions. We ask everybody that comes on the podcast the same questions. The first question uh, we, we ask is if you were a drink, what would you be and why? Now, Sean says that I am a pint of Guinness because I'm an acquired taste and people pretend to like me. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I see the genius in there. Um, um, genius? Fuck, don't be telling that, Connor. It's his big enough as it is, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, I'm really trying to... I know this is quick fire, but that's a really good question. Um, I am going to go with... Um. Oh, you've 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 caught me there. <laughs> We're throwing off guard. Uh, a drink. Um, I am going to go with apple juice. Why? Because you either you, you either love it or hate it. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a, a love hate thing. You know, and you, you can you can go through phases of lacking it. <laughs> fair, fair. You know, fair. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> These questions only get better with Jack's next one being the real, the real clinker. But number two, superpower. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be, and what would you do with it? Oh my god, that is easy. That is easy. Time travel. And yeah, yeah. Time any, travel. Any, because, any particular reason? Because then I can find out when and how I'm going to die, and I can prevent it from happening. Holy shit, right? I thought this was just going to be like I could write so many songs and all. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, no, that that is like the, the the genius answer. I've been asked that question a lot of times, and I get the same answer every time. Okay, okay, we 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 we'll give you that. And if we ever if we ever actually get to meet you in person and have a cup of coffee with you, um, I, I have a few more questions than that. But where these are meant to be quick fire, so we're going to take you on. Cool, 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 um, cool, cool. So next question, and, and there's a lot writing in this one. If you were a crisp sandwich. What would you be? Would you, what flavor would you be? What brand? What would you, would you spread on the bread? What type of bread? Give us your give us your answer. I've never had a crisp sandwich. Um, what? 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 Yeah, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> I think just crisps and sandwiches, like they're their own thing. I've never I've never tried it, so I can't really hate it. But if I, if I can imagine what would taste nice, um. Probably just like cheese and onion. Yes, yeah, Connor. Yes, yeah, Connor. That's the correct answer. Like, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I am imagining like what would taste nice, which is hard to explain. But I'm thinking white bread. Yeah. Tato cheese and onion. Not any other cheese and onion. It's got to be tato cheese and onion. Okay. And well, it, yeah. That's well, what I'm going for. What we'll, what we'll say is this, right? The, the, well, the only thing we ask you to do after this interview, at some time, go make yourself white bread, 
butter on whatever flavor crisps you want. Slice it down the middle. Maybe if you like milk, drink it by a glass of milk. That's my personal favorite. Or a cup of tea. I'm telling you, oh. you will not be disappointed, dude. I'm telling you. Got it. I'll report back. <laughs> okay. Really important, important question. Maybe, Got maybe it. this is the secret, though. Maybe, maybe due to the lack of exposure to Chris families, this is why you're so like relentlessly talented musically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris sandwiches stunt your growth. Yeah. <laughs> is it like? Is it like? Is it like squashies where once you've had one, you've got to you've got to have have loads of them? You know. Yeah. yeah. Finish the yeah. bag. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 Cool. Um. But on the more sensible question, of course, number four, right? If you could go out to dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would it be and what would you talk about? Oh. Um, if I could go out to dinner with anyone, living or dead. Um, oh, I would probably go out to dinner with. I go out to dinner with Rick Beato. And, uh, and okay, go on. Do you know? Do you know who that is? Go for it. Tell tell anybody who doesn't know who is Rick Beato. He's this, he's, he's this dude who runs a YouTube channel and just like <laughs> he <laughs> hear me out, right? But like he analyzes songs like down to the minute detail. Like he'll take a three minute song and make like an hour and a half long video. On, on everything about the song and there's like they're really really nerdy but they're so interesting but i would love to sit down with him and have dinner because i know he would do all the talking and i would just get to, i would just get to sit there and listen and and listen to all the stories he has to tell about him in the music industry and stuff i think it would be great fair play okay that okay. is a pretty cool answer that, that is a good answer we've never had somebody say they want to go to dinner with a youtuber to be fair no, I, 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 I'm happy with my answer. I, I think it's a good answer. I think it's a good answer. It's a good answer. I'm yeah. going to check this guy out. Yeah, so Sean is already away in the background. Yeah, I, I, yeah no, he's really yeah. cool. He's really cool. He kind of looks like Anthony Bourdain in a way. But anyway, yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I, I get it. Yeah. And the, the final question in our quick fire round that never actually, and to be honest, this is with everybody, they're never actually quick fire because people they end up sitting thinking for ages. So, final I'm going to say this is, as quick as I can. I'm going to do this <laughs> as quick as I can. <laughs> I have a magic ball in front of me. You can play at any venue in the world. You can be the supporting act, you can be the lead act, you can be on a bill, you can be in a festival, it can be a solo tour. Where would you be? What would it be? Tell us the crack. Um, I would headline a show in the academy in dublin good shot honestly i i know i know it's not like something massive like sse or aviva stadium it's still pretty fucking big (laughs) i but the academy Mm. i I, i've been to one gig in the academy Mm. and it's the best venue i've ever been to okay who was the gig i it was alec benjamin Oh, okay, okay, okay. I I love him. I think his storytelling is unbelievable, but just the actual vibe of the room and like the way the way that the like you you could in like there was one song he played. The crowd knows how to read the room in mm. in the in the academy. I find like in a really really emotional song, you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. In a sing along song, there was not a person with their mouth shut. Like it was. It was unbelievable. It was great. Fair play. 
fair play. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we have come to the end of of the interview and the Aww. end of any mm-hmm. any any technical difficulties or any oh. switching in and out <laughs> of of Zoom. Connor, would you like yeah, to tell bad. any? <laughs> would you like to tell anybody that's listening where they can find you on your socials, where they can hear your music, and any upcoming gigs or events you're playing at? Hundred percent. So, um, Instagram and TikTok is just Connor Marcus Music. Facebook is just Connor Marcus. You can find anything else that you may need on my website, which is www.connormarcusmusic.com. Deadly stuff, deadly stuff. And Sean, would you like to remember anybody that is listening where they can find us on the socials and all such things? We'll not be headlining any, any gigs or anything coming up. Do you know what I mean? We've no live tour. You never know. Fucking, you never know. We're not the two Johnnies yet. Like, do you know Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someday. Yeah, indeed. Uh, someday, someday. But for now, uh, you can find us on Instagram. Search at Yanni, Y-A-H-N-Y. Search again, heard nothing yet. At Yanni Podcast. Check us out on Facebook. Search again, heard nothing yet. You can listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all those various places, Podbean directly. And yeah, just keep an eye on us. And, you know, similar to Connor, follow us, follow everybody, and you'll see what we're putting out there in some sense. Daily stuff, daily stuff. Well, Connor, look, an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's been great. It's been great to sit down and have a chat. It's been it's been great to talk to people who can talk back as well. It's always good. So yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you.